Welcome in to another edition of Sportball with Squam, Stogie, and Skulldog. I'm your boy, Sam. With me, as always, are these two nefarious newts of Narnia. Couldn't think of another <laughs> How you boys doing? Hello, hello. <laughs> doing well. Great. We had a little holiday hiatus, you might say. We're back and, dare I say, better than ever. Better than ever. New year. New feeling me. better than ever. Vikings are won their first playoff game, which is really all that we could have ever expected from them. It's true. They're the Saints kryptonite. I've always right. said. I'm Kyle's kryptonite in fantasy, so. I think I beat you in basketball this last matchup, no? Yeah, you did. Anyone else have anything to say? <laughs> I'm watching the end of this <laughs> Raptors game. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a tie game with, well, now it's not telling me if it's like 12 seconds left or something. I Patrick McCaw just had a big, big turnover mistake. <clears throat> so now Portland has the ball, in case you're wondering. I'm not. You know, I thought you were distracted from the show to watch a sport uh, game. I thought it would at least be the Celtics, but... No, Jesus, Son White's out of seven blocks tonight. That's for my fantasy team, baby. You know, I thought we might start off the podcast with some witty banter about our personal lives, but you guys aren't interesting, so. <laughs> you thought we were interesting? Oh my God, they gave it to Carmelo, and he made it. Wow. Wow, that is the show most shocking thing I've heard. Well, I don't know if our listeners really as much as need a play-by-play of play play a game the that they don't care about. Uh, maybe we should move on. Anyone have anything to say that isn't Seth watching a game? New year, new me, I said. That's <laughs> fucking disgust me. All right. <laughs> I gave up bread. Oh, that's true. But the new year started just yesterday, so I'm doing good. Two days deep. What? It's the 7th. Yeah, the new year starts on the first Monday of the year. I see. You don't start something in the middle of the week. I've been looking at the wrong calendar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just noticed I'm looking at myself in the little Skype window and it just looks like I'm wearing a sweater underneath my <laughs> underneath my tank top. I have such a perfect chest hairline. Perfect. Doesn't okay. <laughs> it doesn't look like a sweater to me at all, but what does it look like to you? Something far more sinister? Yeah, chest hair. A mink coat. Don't kill the minks. <laughs> uh, Kyle, you gave up bread, but you're still good in that bread, right? Always. That's what I like to hear. Always getting bread. Bring home the bacon fried in a pan. Let's stop fucking around, huh? Uh, this is an... <laughs> what is this? What is this podcast, huh? I mean, what are we really doing sport here? Ball. Sport ball. The sport of the day is the uh, the NFL. We're going to preview the divisional round. We're recording this, what is it, Tuesday... 8.24 p.m. Central Time. So if anything happens, it's not our fault. Although it never is. Uh, let's just go through the four games, shall we, gang? Seth sure. hasn't looked at me once in this podcast. He's just looking at his stupid game that doesn't matter. There's three seconds I can't stop left. staring at the HD version of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we blurred our background for this guy video, and it looks incredible. As a matter of fact, if you're listening right now on Apple or Spotify stop. or whatever... Turn it off and go right to YouTube. I mean, we look incredible. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. It's like we put a Snapchat filter on ourselves. <laughs> Looking like a pair of thoughts. 
All right, so let's go over the first game. I'm just going in order of when they happen. So the first one Saturday is going to be uh, Vikings at Niners. Let's start off with the. Let's start talking about the Vikings, Seth. I know you want to. You talk about your an improbable win this past weekend. Well, improbable, but I knew it would happen from the start. Um, unlike you, you only put who three put, confidence points on them. Yeah, but I at least I picked them. <laughs> um. What's encouraging to me about the game is that we won, even though Kirk Cousins didn't even really play that well. I mean, he's not a consistent quarterback, so I wasn't expecting him to play well. But And he particularly normally doesn't perform well in big games. But we managed to win the game, even though it was a mediocre performance, I thought, from Kirk with... As per usual, numerous passes blocked at the line. It's honestly incredible, his ability to throw it to the opposing defensive lineman. Um, I thought we did a good job running the ball. I know Kyle will probably speak to coaching gaffes by the Saints and the way they managed their timeouts towards the end was rather yeah, perplexing, was I will agree. Um, but... I thought we looked pretty good. The defense did very well against a high-powered Saints offense. Um, I think Taysom Hill, much to Kyle's chagrin, that they weren't using Michael Thomas more. I'd like to think that's because the Vikings' defense focused on Michael Thomas and was able to slow him down a bit. And then they brought in Taysom Hill to kind of... We didn't really fully have an answer for him slow um, him slow michael thomas down by allowing him to catch seven of eight targets <laughs> they just well, didn't throw always, him the ball <laughs> well maybe he was yeah. a target because he wasn't open exactly <laughs> that's also slowing him down it nothing is no one he hasn't been stopped from being the ball having the ball thrown to him all year i don't <laughs> i don't think drew Brees was necessarily fully healthy in that game i don't it, he didn't look right but I just don't think I mean to interject. He's but... not as good anymore, honestly. Yeah. I just um anyway, so I obviously was very excited and encouraged by the game. I uh I mean it went into overtime and we definitely got lucky with some things. Um but I thought Thielen looked like himself finally mm-hmm. after many weeks of um, being off the field with the injury and then coming back, but not really looking healthy, not being able to get open, dropping passes, which he never does. So I was really encouraged by that. Dalvin ran well. So obviously we'll be heavy underdogs against the 49ers. Um, yeah, you guys are seven and a half, line seven and a half. Yeah. And like I mentioned to you earlier, I'm kind of glad that we're playing the Niners personally because. <laughs> much to the if we were and i like the seahawks so i don't like it when we play them because then i'm a little bit sad either way i mean i'd still cheer for the vikings but so anyways i think i expect us to put up a good fight i'll still pick them in our little confidence pool out of loyalty (laughs) um but i don't know if objectively we have a legitimate i mean i think we have a chance to beat them but it's unlikely yeah i gotta give i gotta give kirk a little credit because i definitely have had my problems with him especially the fact that he throws into the opposing line one-fifth of the time but i mean he had a pretty good year 
at least stats wise, like he threw for over thirty five hundred yards, completed sixty nine percent of his passes. And we threw six interceptions the whole year. And yeah. while some of the deeper stats reveal that he's not that great, obviously we know he's not a league quarterback. But you know, we we always rag on him for not winning big games and for for choking in the clutch, but here was the biggest game he's ever played in and he made the biggest throw of the game. Deep pass to Thielen, and it was a perfect right. pass. Yeah. So I don't know what more we can ask from him, really. I mean, it doesn't. It's not like he he had this sudden awakening and he's now like a great quarterback. But I mean, we ragged on him for not winning big games because he hasn't, and he stepped up in this one. Then he made the biggest throw, so got hands on there at least. Um, I don't think they won because of him, but they certainly didn't, you know, lose because of him. So. Right, and I think there are games that he's played where they did win because of Kirk and that when he's really on his a game, um, he can be great. So it's encouraging that, you know, I don't think the chances are good that he has one of those incredible games against (laughs) the 49ers this week, but at least there's a chance that I know that that wasn't like the very best that we could play. And Mm -hmm. we eked out a overtime win against the saints. Like I think the Vikings are capable of playing better. I just don't think that's probably that likely because the mark of a great quarterback is that they play great all the time and Kirk doesn't do that. So who's to say? And I mean, the real issue with Kirk is that he's a pretty, he's a mediocre quarterback, which would be fine, except he's paying, getting paid three years, 84 million, right? You know, yeah. so he's not getting paid like a mediocre quarterback. Yeah. So that's kind of why we rag on him more than others. But he made one big throw in that and they won the game. So Kyle Kater win. I think hey, the Vikings uh, hate Kirk. <laughs> uh, obviously, um, I didn't know really what the health of Dalvin Cook was going to be. Um, and he came out looking fully healthy. So um, I guess that, what, two weeks off at the end of the season, um, while it cost them a first-round buy, basically, um, it allowed Dalvin to come into the playoffs, what looks like fully healthy, which obviously was huge for them. I mean, he had 28 rush attempts to Kirk's 31 or whatever pass attempts. So, um, I mean, you know, with the, the Vikings, they're just going to pound the ball on the ground. I mean, when you have one of the best running backs in the NFL and a not very or a very conservative head coach. That's what happens. Um, honestly, I think the game was more lost on the Saints' play calling and uh, really weird usage of game management at the end of the game, as you mentioned before. Like, they had the option before the two minute warning, they wasted two timeouts trying to get the Vikings to kick them the ball. They stopped them on their third down, and instead of taking their time out before the two-minute warning, just allow the clock to go down like 15 seconds. So that's a waste of 15 seconds right there to save a timeout, which they didn't use as they're driving down the field with 40 seconds left when they convert to get into field goal range to stop the clock with, what was it, like 40 or 30-something seconds left to take like what, three shots at the end zone to try to win the game? 
Instead, they took a delay a game penalty where they could have used a timeout. <laughs> that timeout. Yeah. And they would have had 21 seconds. A ten, yeah. yeah, a 10 second runoff. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't that understand what the hell happened in that game. Like they basically said, okay, well, the way it looked like was they're just not gonna try to score and hope that their kicker can hit a you know yeah, they 45 for, yard field goal. It was a 40, 49 yard field goal. First of all, they should have been looking to score a touchdown. That's they, what yeah. they could have easily done. And there was 21 seconds left. They're like, hey, do you want a timeout or a 10-second runoff? And they're like, oh, we'll take the 10-second runoff. <laughs> that makes no sense to me whatsoever. 21 seconds, no matter what play you run, you can still spike it for a field goal after that. Like, it just made no sense. So, like, I agree very, very weird game by the Saints overall. Like I said, their lack of usage of Michael Thomas was extremely strange. Like, I'm trying to see here. It doesn't have it. I don't think he saw less than double-digit targets more than one other game this entire season. I don't think he's caught less than, like, 12 passes a game more than twice. You're just pulling his numbers out of nowhere. (laughs) No, I was looking at him earlier. Okay. You can pull it up if you want right now. I want some in-podcast research. um, Yeah, I'll look it up (laughs) after this. But just the fact that the Vikings have shown to have a vulnerable secondary all year, I don't understand the lack of the best wide it's lack of usage of the best wide receiver in all of football. It makes no sense. I don't Yeah, I feel like they deserve uh, to lose the way they played. I feel like, yeah, I feel like a lot of people are blaming the um lack of offensive pass interference called on the last play. Uh which Kyle I know you were lamenting. But I I didn't really think I can understand why you would call it, but I'm fine with them not calling it. Like I don't think it gets called that often. Like maybe the letter of the law is that's offensive pass. I think that gets called pretty often. <laughs> I don't. I disagree, and I think they were both like hand fighting. That was legitimate on a fade route. You know, it's like you know, it's gonna. There's gonna be contact on a fade route. Another and thing that I yeah, like the defender didn't turn around. Wholeheartedly either. disagree with is a fade to the corner of the end zone is one of the most inefficient plays in all of football, I know, and I the hate fact it. that that worked <laughs> I also, on an offensive pass interference. I knew there wasn't called on a team that a rule was put in to be able to challenge offensive pass interference because of them. It's I don't. (laughs) Well, the other thing too is they they implemented that rule to challenge pass interference, and then pass interference never gets overturned. So there's there's no. It got over the first time it got overturned this year was against the Saints. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that they're probably going to get rid of that because I was stupid that did not work out, but. It should have worked out, though. Regardless of the pass interference, right, like you said, the Saints didn't deserve to win that game. I mean, first of all, even if that was called, the Vikings would have had another chance to score. They let them get down to the goal line in the first place. Yeah, but the the Vikings having another chance to score, I could almost guarantee you would have meant the Delvin Cook line run right into a stacked box right there like they did the first time. And then they had, what, a little pitch out to them on the second time. I'm just saying – I'm just saying... If they took a field goal, then the Saints would have had a chance to score. Yeah. Of course. But I'm agreeing with your point here, so there's no need to... <laughs> I'm agreeing with your point that the, the the Saints didn't deserve to win that game. I'm saying don't let the potential offensive pass interference distract you from the fact that the Saints lost the game that they should have been able to win. And that's yeah. happened multiple times. The same thing happened against the Rams, where everyone blamed the lack of pass interference when they blew that game five different ways. No, I agree. Like it's just yeah, it was bad play calling all around. But to lose on 
another missed call, in my opinion. It's you don't know what would have happened after if they would have called that because they wouldn't have been on the goal line anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I, I guess they was... probably would have been forced to throw again. So probably. I another fade. <laughs> just the, I mean, just the fact that they didn't even review it. Well, that's the thing because when they do review it, they never return it. So they need to figure something out with that. Like, I don't. The, the rule doesn't make any sense. It's like, why put a rule in place if it's not going to do anything? And they knew they couldn't review it because it would be too hot and they'd be they'd think, get even more killed for it. I think the only thing with the rule was that it seems like in order to overturn, uh, like to call pass interference that wasn't initially called or to overturn a pass interference that was called, it needed to be like glaringly obvious. That was right. glaringly obvious. <laughs> And so you've seen throughout the season a bunch of things like I there are a bunch of times where I saw plays like, oh, that's definitely pass interference. We can see on the replay that the defender got there first and then they don't overturn it because right. it wasn't like as bad as the Rams Saints one last year, yeah. which I think is dumb. I th- think if you're going to review something you'd see if it's a foul, if it's a violation of the rules and if it is, then you call it. Right, like having this whole thing where it needs to be like egregious doesn't really make sense because then we're like, well, this one was probably technically pass interference, but although the NFL released a statement that it wasn't pass interference, that it was there was contact between both players on the play and it wouldn't have been called, like it shouldn't have been. That's called. hysterical. So. I, I love that they do that too, and then during like when you're watching the game on TV. And they have like a an, a rules expert that's an ex referee comes in and says that is blatant pass interference. <laughs> I think those guys they they get it wrong half the like half the time the guy on TV says something and then the call is the opposite. I'm like, well, who am I? Like, if one ref, ugh, it's, yeah, it's tough. I didn't think it was pass interference, but I could see why you would think it would be, and it's just well, it was. Officiating is a, think a big mess was. in general. Uh, Let's talk about the Niners a little bit. They have, um, I think they're the best team in the NFC, which maybe is not a hot take since they're the number one seed, but I think by far the best team. Their defense is legit, and they by far they have, you two, say. they have two really good offensive weapons in Kittle and Debo that I think are very dangerous. And I think one of my concerns earlier in the year was that I didn't think if they got behind, Jimmy could throw them back in the game. But he's done that a few times. They won that Saints game like forty-eight to forty-six. He's shown he can he can win a uh, a shootout, and they can win a defensive battle too. So I I don't like your chances in this game. I'm sorry, Seth. I think the Niners run away with it. But at this point, it's all gravy for you guys anyway. Yeah, pretty much. All I all I asked for is a uh, not heartbreaking loss. If we lose and it's respectable. You know, we can hold our heads high, but nice, if we like, lose like on a missed thirty-five yard field goal or something, yeah, I'll be distraught. Yeah, I think honestly that the Vikings get stomped, but you know, this it's, such a football their, their baby defense is so so good that I mean. I guess now that Thielen's healthy, it obviously helps Kirk in the passing game a lot more. But I just, I'm not a believer in Kirk and never was. So 
I mean, yeah. if he's going to get pressured a decent amount and Delvin's not going to be able to be effect to effectively run, I just I don't have the faith in them. Yeah, I mean, obviously the X factor every game is how well Kirk is going to play that day. And I think San Francisco, the thing that's impressed me most about them this year is them and the Seahawks have shown an ability to win close games too. So I feel like even if it is close, which we'll get to later with the Seahawks, but I feel like even if it is close, like the Vikings are at a disadvantage you know, in the mm-hmm. final two minutes of the game, because San Francisco's really shown an ability to keep their composure and get defensive stops when they need to. Jimmy can make big throws in the biggest moments. So I think that's, yeah, I think it's like a bit of a cause for concern for us where we could easily get blown out. And even if we do manage to stay in the game, I still don't have a lot of confidence in us in the final two minutes either. So. We'll see how it goes. You know, it really brings a, a warm smile to my heart, Kyle, is that if you look at it, really all the favorites left have really strong running games. You know, <laughs> the Ravens are run first team. They average the most running yards since like the 1970s. Yeah, but that's innovative running. It's not just handing it off to the running back. It's the a lot of it has to do with one of the most versatile quarterbacks that we've ever seen in the NFL. So. 49ers have three great running backs, all little speedsters. Who the, Shanahan schemes effectively to Packers, get them in a better position than just running into a stacked box. The Packers have Aaron Jones, the star of this league. The uh, what, Who am I missing? Seth, help me out here. <laughs> Tennessee. Oh, the Seahawks and Marshawn oh, Lynch and Travis Homer and their average of 1.1. Oh, no, yards. Oh, no, you're talking, talking favorites. About, I'm talking about all the favorites. Oh well, the top seeds in both divisions. Yeah, in both conferences. <clears throat> I guess the Chiefs. You know how much of that game. also had to do with the fact that being as good of a team they are, and how good basically all their defenses are. They were up in games, so they were just able to hand the ball off to the running back, even though that's sure not but... my belief, but. It's against my principles. <laughs> it's like those stats that say if X's team runs the ball yeah, yeah. 20 times a game, they win 95% of them. Well, it's For like, sure. yeah, if you're winning, <laughs> right. they're going to hand the ball off more, so therefore they're going to have more right. carries. But I feel like all these teams have dynamic run games regardless of the score. Well, I think maybe we can all agree that innovative run games are good things for NFL teams to have. I mean, I don't think Sam and I are – uh, <clears throat> advocating for teams to just like stack the box and run down the middle all the time. So oh, I hate that too. You know that. Well, also their favorite team, the team who's how you're wearing right now, runs the ball more than anyone. Really, they also have one of the most efficient quarterbacks in all of football, and I think leads the league in expected points added for a quarterback, but right behind Lamar. Well, let's uh, let you add a transition. So you can gloat about your team. Uh, so next matchup is the Titans at the Ravens. Kyle, why don't you tell us, uh, why don't you take a victory lap for picking them against the Patriots? I've beat the drum all year. The <laughs> Patriots are frauds. They are who I thought they were. And it showed. The game didn't play out, honestly, though, exactly how I expected it to. I assumed Belichick would have just 
stack the box every time and not let Henry run for eight plus yards per carry. Yeah. But instead he decided, well, we'll let them run. Honestly, it wasn't even a, a like a bad defensive it nearly worked. defensive game. It did nearly work. Like don't let them pass at all and let Henry beat you on the ground. And you saw he they only scored two touchdowns. So right. I mean that kind of is for my case in that <clears throat> running games are a lot less efficient than you could say it was efficient, right? I mean, they held he the ball longer. Something, yeah. But they just, it, you're not going to score a lot of points, but you will have the ball longer, which kind of right. works out for them. And then, I mean, Tom Brady's just washed. So. It's know. like when you, when you wash, when you, when you give a goat a bath, he's a washed goat. Yes. <laughs> With those slippery hooves and they can't stand on the side of mountains and shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if you're a goat sudsy, he's not going to be standing on a mountain. Everyone knows that. No. Yeah, I, I mean, never I, like a sudsy go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like we all we all kind of knew this was was a possibility. Like this team, the Patriots just aren't that good that, this year, you know. And they beat up on bad teams. Yeah, and everyone was, oh my god, their defense. Oh my god, their defense. Right. After the first half of the season, their defense was still good, like yeah. better than average for sure. But yeah, like not a it, They weren't. They weren't having two pick sixes a game anymore. Right. It was just such an unsustainable. Thing that they had going on, especially against the level of competition they were playing early on, it was like, you know, I'm just, you know, glad that the not glad that the Bears didn't make it, but glad to have hopped on the Titans bandwagon before they won the game. Mm-hmm. Um, my hat I ordered a week before finally came in the mail. So um, from here on out, even against Baltimore, and I love Lamar so much and Harbaugh, but. It's Titans up, baby. Tighten up, baby. Tighten up. I mean, they're they're just a good team. There's no way around it. They're ninth in DVOA, um, which you know I love. They <laughs> and honestly, we should have seen this coming. The Patriots, we knew on offense they didn't have enough weapons, right? They have Edelman who's dealing with an injury. They have no tight end threat now that Gronk is gone. The Nikhil Harry isn't ready yet. Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown are both off their team for off the field things, and it's just. They just didn't have enough. We knew they couldn't score enough points to win. I mean, <laughs> the Titans basically only scored 14 points, and yet they couldn't win. And um, But you got to give credit to the Titans, too. I mean, they they had a game plan, and they stuck to it. Tannehill only threw for 80 yards, and they still won. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously a lot of that was Vrabel uh, seeing, you know, if the Patriots are going to, you know, prevent the pass you have the league's leading rusher <laughs> let him run i mean the man ran for like a hundred thousand yards in high school dude this guy he's <laughs> scary dude they showed they showed a highlight of him in high school and yeah. he literally looks like he's like i don't know three feet taller than everyone else it's stupid yeah it's stupid how good he is the problem like the one thing that i don't understand how don't you use him in the passing game? Yeah. You threw one pass to him just that game. And, and he's 20 yards easy. <laughs> 20-something yards and should have been a touchdown. Yeah. He's been efficient like that all year, too, with these short dump-offs that are just aren't even designed for him, but he's just sitting there in the flat. I don't know how you don't scheme him more passes. It is weird. <laughs> Instead, you have Deion Lewis coming in every so often. Deion Washington never was a goat. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Kyle, I know you love what Vrabel did with the clock there at the end, where he oh. he ran off like a minute forty five by taking three false starts in a row. Yeah, that it was fantastic. Dumb. 
The problem was it didn't like I know it worked because they won the game, but it didn't really work because the Patriots <laughs> just drove right down and were where they punted from like two plays later, and then Edelman just dropped the pass. So I think the problem would have become if the Patriots had scored there, then the Titans wouldn't have had enough time on the other end, which is the risk you take. Yeah, that's the risk you take, and I think... I don't want to be results-based, Kyle. Show, <laughs> showing, yeah, obviously, Rabel had, uh, he had the belief in his defense that they could stop the Patriots, or, you know, I, I don't want to say... If anything, it was going to be, like you said, the Patriots go down and score, and they don't have enough... Or, I mean, they, they they still have the Titans still have what three timeouts too. So, well, the other thing I, is they know that the Patriots' offense isn't great. So if Edelman hadn't dropped that, I'm sure something else would have happened. I mean, they just they struggle so hard to manufacture points. So I'm just glad to watch their offense try to move the ball down the field. Like, and because Mister Sudsy Goat is so washed. <laughs> he needed like everything to go right, and yeah. so something like Edelman dropping a pass was completely devastating to their offense. And which it may not have been. In years and the back. thing is, like a lot of people keep talking about that, but I I think there should be a little more talk about early on in the game when they were at the goal line and ran Sony three times up the middle instead of doing anything awful play call. Yeah, it was like the most predictable worst thing you could have done even fuck it dude you got the sudsy goat try a qb sneaky slippery he's he slippery. one of the most effective at the at the goal line in that i understand it was it was on the goal line as in one yard away and like an actual yard this time not a big boy you know, yard, yeah. half a yard or whatever but anything besides just running sony who's been very ineffective all year long i don't understand how right sony is so bad he's he had an outlier season the year before. Like he, he fell into a bunch of touchdowns. He didn't look good last year either. <laughs> no, he didn't, and he doesn't even get used in the passing game because no. he's in. A, he can't catch. So and the thing is, at this point in Brady's career, there were year there were times in years past where you could surround him with a mediocre surrounding cast that he would still get it done, and that's just not going to be the case anymore, right? It's just not. He's just not going to be able to do it with the cast that he has right now. You need to put great weapons around him at this point because he's not the top three quarterback anymore. Yeah. He's just like anybody else. He's just like you or me. <laughs> Except he's got a supermodel wife and a several million dollar house. Other than that, no difference, I'd say. Although his hair has been coming back. Do you notice that? I might have to try that treatment. He also kisses his kid on the, kids on the lips. Eh, I don't like that. That's weird. Yeah, you and I don't do that. Well, I kiss Bethany on the lips, but I mean... Bethany? Bethany. Who doesn't? Do you think, uh, two questions for you. Do you think the dynasty is over? Do you think Brady leaves? Um, no. I think the dynasty is over, but I don't think Brady leaves. I Who do they that, have? Do you think that they're going to just, like, nothing turn the reins over to Jared Stidham, who wasn't even that great in the preseason? Or do you think that they, the rumblings that I keep seeing of the Patriots possibly trying to trade up draft Tua and let let Brady be a mentor to Tua or whoever other quarterback they draft in the first round. Let him do that for a year and then I mean then that's what on. they tried to do with Jimmy, but 
Brady stayed too long and Jimmy got too good. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, there were so many articles yeah, yeah. that came out after that about how upset Belichick was about getting rid of Jimmy because like he yeah. was the heir to the throne. It seems like he didn't want to, and Kraft made him because Brady didn't like him being around. So I think that. You can't really say the dynasty's over until Brady, Belichick, and Kraft are split up. Won't put anything past them, but it certainly doesn't seem like they're going to be in the contention every year. In contention every year, like they have been, unless they really shore up some things. Um, I, I mean, I guess you can't say that the dynasty's over in the fact that they do get to play the Jets and the Dolphins <laughs> two two times each year. So that's a quarter of your season. So the Bills are looking good in their division now, which is... Yeah, I would put money on the Bills to win their division next year. <clears throat> I'd put money on the Dolphins to make the playoffs next year. So we all think he stays at least for another year? Yeah, I think he does. I think he comes back, yeah. Yeah, he'll be back. I just can't Then again, they need to uniform. sell his house. Yeah. I can't picture him in another uniform. No. What are the odds he goes to the Rams and just doesn't... Takes a big pay cut, but makes a bunch of money from endorsements and shit and lives out in L.A. and has... I've heard that rumored. I've heard that the Chargers and the Rams talk no, about... No, the Chargers doesn't make sense. The char- they don't I don't think sense. the Rams make sense. Do you think McVeigh would rather have Brady than Goff? Yes. Probably. A smart quarterback that can make a quick throw? Goff is so bad. <laughs> I mean, Goff is bad, but I don't know. Yeah. I feel like well, I think it McVay makes is it all about the future. I think it makes a lot of sense for the Chargers just because they don't the have Chargers fans. The Chargers don't make sense. So... If they wanted to, I don't know why Brady would want to go there, but they would want him just to get some revenue, you know? Yeah. Fuck Brady. <laughs> I think he stays Fuck the Patriots. Patriots. So. Gives a shit. Rip to the dynasty. What a run. Uh, Ravens, we know who they are. Lamar's scary, MVP of the league. They can, you know, the Titans usually run teams down and uh, fatigue them in the fourth quarter. Fatigue them. And the Ravens do the same thing. So I think we're looking at a low-scoring, time-of-possession game, and I think I think the Ravens pull it out. But I don't See, think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think it's low-scoring, and I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think each team scores more than 20. Okay, sure. And I think it's probably a one-score <laughs> game. Yeah, I think we're in the same boat. I'm, I'm all tightened up like here from here baby. Tightened up, baby. People are going to be surprised. <laughs> Well, I put in a bet for the Ravens to win the Super Bowl months back, so I'm rooting for them. But it would be interesting to see the Titans win for sure. So what do you think uh, happens in this game? I just feel I like there's some magic brewing brewing in the uh, Music City. I'm confident the Ravens will take this game. I think it could be close, but mm, I would project them winning by at least 10. Hmm. Can't argue with that. Let's move on to the next game. Texans at Chiefs. I got to say, the Texans are the worst team left in the playoffs. is not particularly close. They're terrible. They shouldn't not have a won. Good, not a good football team. Uh, <laughs> Should not have they're won. 19th in DVOA. 19th in DVOA. That's worse than half the league. <laughs> they're frauds, as I've said earlier on a podcast, back when I was arguing for Oakland to make the playoffs. Those were those were simpler times for all of us. <laughs> um, Somehow they still had a chance coming out the last week or two. Yeah, 
I mean, the thing with this team is it's all Watson, right? I mean, the team around him is is pretty is pretty bad. The Bills were the better team, and Watson just kind of pulled some magic out, which we all knew was a strong possibility, and that's how they were going to win. Um, it's kind of funny watching Watson, especially as he's my fantasy quarterback, because he takes so many bad sacks. You know, a lot of them that aren't that are mostly his fault for holding the ball too long, and you're like, oh, just. Get rid of the ball, but then uh, some of those plays he turns into miracle plays, like the one that basically won the game for them. So you got to take the good with the bad. Just speaking of Watson, with that being basically their whole team, um, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins obviously is really good. Um, mm-hmm. How would you rate the quarterbacks who are left in the playoffs just this year, not like going forward if you're starting a team, just the best quarterbacks this year? I would say. Um, Lamar one, Patty two, uh, Russ two. Oh yeah, Russ. Well, is See? Patty fully healthy? I don't know. There's a lot of great ones. A lot of great ones. I think Kirk is the worst. <laughs> Kirk is definitely the worst. <laughs> Let's start at the bottom. That might be easier. I would go Kirk. I would go Kirk eight, Tannehill seventh. Tannehill's much better than seventh. Well, who else is? Who's he better than? Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> okay. okay. No, you're um, just ba- we're just basing this off this season myself. right now, right? Yeah, off and of this season, still be- way better. I don't think so. Okay, so you know, I, let's start at the top again. No one interrupt me, this time. and then we can talk about my rankings after they're done. All right, ready? Okay, Lamar one, Patty two, Russell third, Deshaun fourth, Aaron fifth, Tanny sixth. Right. Wait, am I missing a quarterback? Who am I missing? Who have I not said? Jimmy yet? and uh, Jimmy. Aaron Jimmy Rogers. six. Um, Tanny seventh. Kirk eighth. You're wrong. You're wildly. <laughs> I mean, wildly the top accurate. four you could put in any order. I wouldn't have a problem with it. Top right? four? Yeah, Patty, Lamar, uh, Deshaun, and Russell are the best quarterbacks in the league. So what do you want me to say? Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess if you want to say that you can put them in any order, yes, that's not the order I would put them in. Uh, <laughs> but you could put them in any order. Right. Your bottom half is completely wrong because five is definitely Tannehill. No. Six is Jimmy. Seven's Aaron. <laughs> and eight's Kirk. I think Kirk actually so is nine, despite there only being eight. <laughs> <laughs> Can we take Taysom Hill over him, even though he's got eliminated? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hate Taysom Hill. Ugh. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is that great of a quarterback anymore, but. He still has some plays with that are just incredible. I don't know. So, do you disagree with either of us? I'm. I would think. I mean, I didn't watch a lot of Packers games this year, and I know they leaned heavily on the the run game, and his stats weren't as good. I just gotta believe, based on the track record, that he's still better than Ryan Tannehill this year. Um, but he did say only this year, so track record right. doesn't matter. Cool. You still consider track record in your evaluation of how good they are right now. Mm. <clears throat> I thought we were basing it off of this year. I'm saying how good are they right now at this moment in time? And how do you decide how good someone is based on prior performance? Did, am I am I crazy here? Did he just switch to another language? or just, <laughs> Turn the subtitles back on. <laughs> I don't know. I think we're splitting hairs. Whatever. 
Yeah. I mean, Ryan yeah. Tannehill greater than Aaron Rodgers. You heard it here first. I and think... when they beat Baltimore, the world will know. <laughs> <laughs> AJ Brown's about to go crazy. This is so classic, <laughs> Kyle. Like, <laughs> what's well, a podcast without a hot? You take? picked the fucking Magic to beat the Raptors in the first round of the playoffs last year. They won, won the, the second game and <laughs> should have won the third at least. <laughs> And at least I could take solace in the fact that they lost to the champions. The Raptors are frauds. <laughs> uh, my real question is, is Will Four the 14th going to be healthy for this game? Because he's always questionable. And I just, I feel like that makes a big difference for them. Because they have no run game. So it's really up to Hopkins and Fuller to control the I mean, ball for them. They don't not have a run game. They just refuse to use one of the most efficient runners <laughs> In the NFL season since he's or NFL since he's been in the league and Duke Johnson, Junior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't really understand that. Their defense is fucking terrible, and worse. The Chiefs are going to destroy them. They're not. They're twenty six in DVOA, so. And that's doing them a favor. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> they're brutal. Oh, JJ came back, so maybe that'll make a difference, but probably not. Yeah, but he played what only on like. Third down plays. He was more of a, a clapper, more, more of a cheer really. for the yeah for the team. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think the Chiefs pull this game out. I feel like the Chiefs' defense is better than we think too. I mean, they're second in DVOA in defense, which, as we know, is the end all be all. And <laughs> listen to these points in the last six games they gave up. Okay, seventeen, nine, sixteen, three, three, twenty-one. Twenty-one is week seventeen, which didn't really matter. I mean, all fairly that's the part we're not really talking about, what? you know, is that their defense has looked really, really good over the last six weeks. The Chiefs the yeah. Chiefs might have one of the top three defenses, maybe top two, top three defenses left in the out of all the teams. They're second in DVA in the whole league, so I'd have to agree with you there. I didn't even know that. So is this a blowout? This is the, I think this, this is, is the one blowout, blowout of the, the weekend. I think this would be my, yeah, my most confidence yeah. points on this. Great. Glad we talked that through. <clears throat> also, the fact that they're using in a playoff game. that they're using uh, DeAndre Hopkins as like a short a yards runner. after yeah. catch guy. I don't understand why his his average depth of target is like one yard. Maybe I don't. <laughs> they really they almost pitch the, it to him. Yeah, he's one of the best receivers in the league too, and they just decided to stop throwing him the ball downfield where he's really good at contested catches. Like. I know that's we've the thing. seen it year in and year out. Now all of a sudden, I don't understand coaches, man. It makes no sense. That's the other thing. Like Will Fuller is their only deep threat. It seems lately. So when he's but out, he's not. They he's the only one they use as exactly. One. Yeah, it makes no sense. Kenny's good. I fucks with Kenny. He's fine. Still, that is. <laughs> he's still getting it done. All right, last Ayo. game. That's a fake laugh, and I know it. Last game, Seahawks <laughs> at Packers. This is the closest line of the of the weekend. Uh, I think the Packers favored by four. Um, honestly, the Seahawks won, and I feel worse about them almost because they barely beat a team who was missing their quarterback and their their best two wide receivers and their best running back and two of their offensive linemen. <laughs> <laughs> and most of their defensive players. And they barely okay, that's won. how they do it, though. They yeah. got to keep all games close because they're, like, now they're, what, like, 10-1 and one in one-score <laughs> games? Like, yeah. if it's a blowout, they don't they don't feel good about it. Right, right, right. They like to give the other team a chance, you know? Carol yeah. sucks. 
Every fucking Seahawks game is so weird. It's because Pete Carroll sucks. <laughs> He's fucking terrible. Should we just have the Pete Carroll discussion now? Probably. There's really nothing I could say to convince you guys otherwise that he's, in your mind, he's good. But like you just said, like, you went into a game even before the Carson Wentz injury happened. This is a team that is one of the worst secondaries in the entire league and and one of the best offensive lines. And he came out and he tried to run the ball with Marshawn Lynch and Travis Homer. Dude, Homer's ass. <laughs> Homer's terrible. Marshawn Lynch was sitting on a couch two weeks ago. He's so fat. <laughs> He's fucking huge. Like, he might be obese, actually. <laughs> and they still ran the ball with both of them like 24 times or something. For an average of 1.1 yards per carry. Tough. Well, I mean, they have to run sometimes. They can't just pass every down. That's fine. Russell Wilson made up for... Russell Wilson. What was it? Uh, 90, I think. 90 or 95% of the team's yards, whether it be rushing or uh, passing yards, obviously. I mean, obviously it's not Pete Carroll's fault that they're on their fourth string running back and had to yeah. pick up Marshawn Lynch off the street. Furthermore, Honestly, though... That's lucky for you and for the Seahawks because they were forced to pass the ball, which, like we've talked about, Russell Wilson is one of the best, most efficient passers in the league and has been since he came in. And Pete Carroll refuses to let him do that until the end of games when they're down and Russell has to lead a game-winning drive. And that makes it it makes. (laughs) Pete Carroll looked like such a great coach because they win all these close games when it's like, if you weren't so reliant on running the football 55% of the time and ran it 40% of the time, you'd be blowing so many teams out of the water. It's He, so, he loves the fact that his team won in the final two minutes of a game or something. It's so weird. He likes to keep it exciting. Uh <laughs> Well, first of all, I think we should bring up. I don't think Pete Carroll is actually the one calling the plays because they have Brian Schottenheimer as their offensive coordinator, and I'm assuming he's the primary play caller. Um, so I don't know if you can really fault Pete Carroll for their play calling and running so much. I mean, I'm sure he's part of like devising the scheme of being a run-heavy team in general, but Brian Schottenheimer is the one who's actually calling the plays, and I think what we've heard from Pete Carroll and what I've like read and listened to on podcasts and stuff about the Seahawks is that the way that he's really good is creating like a positive relationships between teammates. Why are you guys laughing? Uh, Kyle's going to say a quote in a bit. That's very, it's going to be funny. Good. (laughs) So I think he's a good like locker room coach. He's good at managing yeah. egos, getting the team to be on the same page. Um, you know, you don't see things like with my team where Stefan Diggs is pissed about not getting targets. You don't really see that happening on the Seahawks. And I think personally that the reason why they're able to execute so well in the final few minutes of the game has to do with that camaraderie and the closeness of the team and that that they all know that they're on the same page working towards the same goal and 
about who's going to get the ball or what the egos are. Um, I mean, if I were running the team or calling the plays, like I'm sure I would pass more with Russell as well. But, and I know like your whole argument about results. Yeah, it is more about decision-making than it is about the results. But I think when you see such positive results over such a long period of time, that's a pretty good indication that he's doing something right. Let me jump in, Kyle, before you. I I was also going to say before that, though. Let me jump in. I also think that he's just not a good game manager. I think we've seen it, you know, numerous times with his lack of use of, you know, timeouts or the fact that he will never, for the life of him, try to convert a fourth down is one of the dumbest things. Like, (laughs) it could be the fourth quarter with eight minutes to play. Seahawks can have their three timeouts left, and they could be down a touchdown, and they'll be at, like, the the 42-yard line or something, right? Fourth down. He'll kick a fucking punt. It makes no sense. You punt a punt. You don't kick it. Yeah, same difference. You know what I mean. He sucks. Okay, so the thing is, they're 5-1 and in close games this year. And you could say, okay, what is that? That's luck. But it's not luck when it's a trend. They always win close games. This happens every year, and we say, wow, the Seahawks got luck again. They outdid their, their expectations. Every year, they do better than we expect. And I looked this up because I wanted to see, like, how often it happens. So... For instance, they're projected for eight and a half wins this they year. They won what, 11? They got 11, right? Last, Last year, year they were projected eight, for eight and they got nine, 10, 10, right? And Pete Carroll's been there for 10 years, and seven of those years they've been over their win, their win expectancy, right? So each year they do better than expected, usually by like a couple, two or three wins. They made the playoffs every year since 2011, except one year where they had a lot of injuries, 2017, you might remember. <clears throat> and two of the times that they went over their expected win total, Russ wasn't even there yet. So I know we often say that, you know, they win just because of Russ. And you certainly can't take two away out of that how many seasons? Out of two. <laughs> Before Russ got there. Yeah. Russ has been in the league, what? He's been there eight years, eight years and Pete's now? been there ten. And, you know, you can't unlink players. Like, you know, you can't be like, it's hard to say, could Tom have won without Bill? Could Bill have won without Tom, right? And it's kind of similar here. But... I mean, the definition of a good coach is overperforming expectations, right? It's taking talent and making something better out of it than expected. And he does that year after year, almost every single year that he's been coaching them. So whereas he may make perhaps some questionable decisions in game, I mean, this isn't just some luck that he wins close games and that he wins more games than expected. This is a trend for the entirety of his time at the Seahawks. So I... Just don't say how you could say he's a bad coach because of that. So here's the thing with expected win totals, and I assume that's in reference to Vegas win totals. Yeah, it was right. the odds, yeah. Right. The thing with that is Vegas isn't setting lines for teams that they think is going to be accurate. They're not saying, I think the Seahawks are for sure going to win, you know, whatever, eight and a half games. They're setting lines in Vegas so that they can optimize their return. If they think they're going to set a line at eight and a half, if, you know, they want, they're going to set something to make it look like, uh, make it juicy for the public to bet on one side or the other. Yeah, but they've probably been wrong most of these times then because people bet the over and they go over. How do you know? Do you have the percentages that were placed on those bets on the over? 
Well, okay. that's that's something that's, that would be interesting to me based on going back, you know, the 10 years that he's coached. They've said it at this. He's gone over, you know, however many years. Has each year, have they been having an influx of bets placed on the over based on, like, it? I can't. Yeah, but that's the what people bet doesn't really matter, right? It's it's the well, fact you can go a half game either way, whatever. Regardless of like what the exact number is, they've outperformed expectations nearly every year. He's been a Vegas coach. expectations and all of our expectations as well. And like I just said, no Vegas one isn't expecting them, them to win that many games. No one expected Vegas them to be this good this year, right? Who is, thought they would be eleven and five this year? Nobody, maybe Seth, <laughs> but that was probably it. And again, if you want to talk about. <laughs> The close game thing this year, all their one-score games, if it goes even the other way half the time, they're not a 500 team. I understand that, but it happens every year. Every year they win close games and outperform expectations. And we say, wow, how did that happen? Like, they didn't have that much talent. And a lot of it's because of Russ, of course. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. That's but my you thing. You can't is, discount Pete as well. The whole yes, point of being I can a good because coach. they're putting these positions to be in one-score games because of the way he controls a game. But the whole point Most of, being, of these games, I guarantee, wouldn't be one-score if you had someone like a a Harbaugh or a Kyle Shanahan or an Andy Reid calling these plays or, or being the the coach like this, <laughs> like I said, Pete Carroll for some weird odd reason seems to enjoy the fact that his team has to come back or that his team only wins by one score. It's weird. Well, you're saying that it wouldn't be one-score games if someone else is a coach. They weren't no. even expected to be this close in this many games. So I feel like it's a trend by now that this team outperforms expectations regardless of its talent, and that's the definition of a good coach. You have two out of ten years to go off of that doesn't have Russ and that doesn't have of him course. with a top-tier wide receiver at, as well. Of course so, Russ helps, obviously. Yeah, I'm saying if you put him on another team in the NFL that doesn't have a talent like Russell Wilson at quarterback, or you do have someone good at quarterback, but doesn't have anyone like if he comes to the bears, they're not doing better than they did this year. You could say that about almost anyone. Bill, Bill Belichick didn't do anything on the Browns. I mean, what a bill have won anything that's one, without? That's also one season, isn't it? Would a bill have done anything without Brady? Who knows? We can't, we can't know that. I mean, like you can't untie Russ and Pete, right? But they have succeeded together. You know how good Russ is, right? Irregardless of what plays are being called. Uh huh. <laughs> so I just you can't say well with. I mean, yes, you have two years to say that they outperformed whatever Vegas had their projected wins at. He but, said each of those words with such scorn. Yeah, yeah so, <laughs> like I said, I can't say like. Vegas isn't projecting what they think is going to happen. Vegas is setting something so that they could maximize their profits. Of course, but these numbers, it doesn't matter exactly what the exact over-under is. What matters is that these numbers represent the expectations for their team based on their talent level. And Pete always... That's not what those numbers are saying. That's basically what what they say. I understand... I understand that they set the numbers so they can make money, but it's around where people's expectations for the team are. I can go back and forth about Vegas all day long, but... um, They're not going to set a ridiculous number that's way off of what the team's expected to do. That's not going to happen. If... One other reason he's just fucking terrible is I was reading The Athletic earlier today, and I... 
found a Pete Carroll article. Well, it was about the Seahawks, but also about Pete and his bond with um, Chris Carson. In here it says, uh, it doesn't get more old school than Carroll, the older, the elder statesman of NFL coaches with an offensive philosophy to match. There's no questioning whom Carroll sides with in this debate. To him, running backs matter. They always will. They don't. Um, then it goes on. Here's, here's Carroll himself. It's right at the heart of the essence of what this game is all about. The whole idea in playing football is taking care of the football until you score. Best way, easiest way to do that is to hand the ball to your running back. So he, he <laughs> goes on to say, the belief is deeply connected to Carroll's relationship with football. His formula for success, right here, is influenced by legendary coaches like Bud Grant, the longtime Vikings head man who evaluated a coaching job by whether a team had a chance to win in the fourth quarter. His inspiration <laughs> is somebody who just wanted a chance to win. Just a chance. And that's exactly <laughs> what he's done his entire coaching career, is he's had a chance in the fourth quarter, and he got lucky to have one of the most efficient passers that we've seen on his team to lead these comebacks and one score, win these one-score games. Because he decided to run the ball so much that, man, we have a chance. Fucking terrible yeah, philosophy, especially philosophy in, in the fact that the NFL is changing at, you could kind of say, at drastic paces to how the NBA switched so drastically to being a three-point dominant league. And he's just way behind on the curve and refuses to change anything about it. He's a terrible game manager. He doesn't set his team up to win. He sets them up to have a chance. Well, they take that chance pretty often and win more than expected, so... Because of the... Oh, my. <laughs> I do agree with you that, like like Seth was saying, like if I was coaching the team, I would not be running as often as he does. But, I mean, I can't fault him for being successful that way, so... His success is cratered in Russell Wilson. Is crater the right word for that? <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> So any any thoughts on your, on your favorite team? Uh, I think that, I don't know, it's funny because I feel like not all four favorites are going to win. That just never happens. But right, the uh, maybe this is the game that the, maybe this is the game, that, <laughs> maybe this is the game that the favorite doesn't win. I mean, the Packers are one of the worst 13-3 and by teams in memory that, I mean, in my recent memory. You know, I don't have much confidence in them They're at bad. all. Yeah. But... The Seahawks aren't very good either, but, and but both of these teams have shown a penchant for winning ugly games and <laughs> dare I say close games. So I really don't know how this is going to happen. I think the Packers squeak by, but I'm not sure. I wouldn't. Yeah, let me pick the Seahawks, which obviously is a lot about my own bias, but I feel pretty good about this game. I think the Seahawks have beaten the Packers in the past. Um, We'll see how good Aaron Rodgers is, if he still has it or not. Either way, I like Russell more. And, um, yeah, I just have kind of like you were talking about, Sam, with Deshaun Watson. Like, I just have a lot of confidence in Russell to be able to pull something out of his hat when it matters most. 
So, but the thing is, I feel like Rodgers can do that too. You know, like I feel like yeah, these two yeah. teams are very similar in that, like I like their quarterbacks a lot, and the rest of their teams I don't like as much. But are the Seahawks really gonna win like another game? With fucking Homer as their running back and a fat Marshawn Lynch as their other running back. Well, let me tell you, this report did came out, come out today. Uh, Pete Gar- Carroll uh, is planning on increasing the usage of Marshawn Lynch this game. So Jesus, um, the poor man's going to have a heart palpitation. Yeah, while well, uh, he gained he seven yards on healthy. six carries last week, <laughs> um, including including one run that was five yards. So he gained one yard on the remaining six. Yes. Uh, Pete Carroll says, I think he's doing great. I'm really excited about it. I can't wait to see him do more. (laughs) He's a fucking moron. His teams always do better, though. That's the thing. I like Marshawn. I don't want either of them to win. How many packs of gum do you think Pete goes through in this game? How is he not? See, that's how bad of a coach he is. He can't even get a gum sponsorship. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no one is known for anything more on the sidelines than Pete Carroll chewing gum and he's not sponsored by the same gum he chews every game. Yeah, what the hell? Come on. You think extra can't throw in a few cash? To... Marshawn Lynch got sponsored by Skittles. <laughs> and what Pete's you... been coaching longer than he's been playing and he can't get a gum You can sponsored. see, though, with uh, how the two men look, how much better gum is for you than Skittles. <laughs> What kind of gum does he chew? I'd like, I need to know. I'll figure, find it out. All right, find it out for us. Do you have a pick in this game? You, you hope it's a tie and both teams just give up. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much what I'm hoping for. Throw in the white flag and let the other two teams just play a second game. Um, <laughs> but since I don't think that will happen, huh? I'm going to choose the Seahawks. I'm just Oh, <laughs> my I'm God. I'm just fucking with you guys. I'm going to choose the Packers. <laughs> uh all right, well, that was scintillating. I'm glad we got that our system about Pete. That was nice. It's been brewing for some time. I feel rejuvenated. He's fucking terrible. People say we don't disagree on this podcast enough. Yeah. Well, this one was for them, then. Our one listener says that. Shout out to Matt. Matt. Oh, my God. What gum is it? What gum is it? Tell me. For the most fucking vanilla coach in the fucking NFL, his favorite chewing gum is... Original bubble yum. <laughs> Be adventurous. He doesn't even go with a mint. He goes with a no, bubble gum. Yes, that's disgusting. I can't imagine chewing a pack of bubble gum during a game. He, he's a man of tradition, and <laughs> he sticks to what he what he knows works for him. He's so. a statesman of sorts. Yeah, an unwashed goat, a silent protector. He sucks. <laughs> uh, well. I feel fulfilled. Are we doing something after these games for the uh, for the championship round or? Yeah. Okay. Might as well, right? Certainly. I can't wait till it's all of the underdogs that we didn't pick. It's gonna be Vikings, Seahawks, Chiefs, Ravens. It's gonna be great. I just don't foresee a non-Chiefs Ravens championship round as it stands right now. Well, well when down. it's Titans, Chiefs. I guess I'll be envisioning it. <laughs> How do you think Pete Carroll would do with the Titans team? It would fit him pretty well. <laughs> That's honestly the one place he could probably go and also outperform his Vegas win totals. 
by giving, <laughs> you know, like Derrick Henry would have locked up the rushing title with as many yards as he rushed for this year, probably by the ninth game. <laughs> uh, I hate that man. All right, well, any parting words? Tighten up. He Carroll's my hero. Love you, Russell. On the third day, he rose again. Pete Carroll himself. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>